And I went back to the room today thinking and praying. I said, God, where do we go from here? We've had a great weekend. I believe that we have enjoyed some victories. Last night, I believe some of you heard the call of God that's never going to stop ranking in your spirit. Great service this morning. But I feel like tonight, God has issued a challenge for me to give you as we leave this service. 1 Corinthians chapter 9, verse number 24. Paul said, Know ye not that they which run in a race run all, but one receiveth the prize. He said, So run that ye may obtain. Every man, he says, that striveth for the mastery is temperate or disciplined in all things. Now they do it to obtain a corruptible crown, but we're after something that's incorruptible. He said, I, Paul, I therefore so run, not as uncertainly. I know my direction, and I fight, but it's not just somebody that's beating the air. He said, but I keep my body, and I bring it into subjection, lest that by any means when I'm finished with my life and my last sermon has been preached and my voice is now an echo he said I do all of this because at the end I don't want to be a castaway I want to make it all the way he's alluding to the original Olympic games which took place in Greece he says this is a race he said in a race they train they prepare for one goal to obtain the medal he said but we we are living for Jesus and this too is like a race we train we pray we worship we give we come to church because we are striving to finish the race but we are not after a corruptible medal or a trophy or a plaque we are after a crown so that one day Jesus can look at all of us and say well done thou good and faithful servant our goal is not a trophy our goal is heaven. That's what it's all about. He said, know ye not that they which run in a race run all. So run. Look at your neighbor and say run. You don't have to do it right now, but just say run. If you want to run right now, you can, but run. So for the next few moments, I want to end this amazing weekend with this thought. The point of the race everyone say the point of the race one last time lay your Bibles down and I want you to lift your hands and lift your voice even a little higher and would you pray with me that God would meet us again in a special way in the beginning the spirit of the, the Lord moved upon the face of the water and there was a word that went forth I believe that's what's happening tonight the spirit of the Lord has moved amongst us to prepare away for the word to go forth come on young people middle-aged young marriage elders would you lift your voice now somebody shout in Jesus name sometimes I don't know if we grasp how powerful that is when we shout in Jesus' name, 
when you study out when people would pray in the name of Jesus one of the word studies says it's a revelation that flows out of being in his presence and that's what we've been all week so would you say that now as someone that fully comprehends how powerful that name is would you shout it one more time not because it's rhetoric not because it's routine but because it's powerful so on the count of three I want you to shout in Jesus name one two three High five somebody who may be seated. In life, we have many races. We have the human race. The United States, every four years, we have the presidential race. We have NASCAR races. Some people race horses. I rode a horse one time, and that will probably be the last time. When it didn't seem to obey my command to slow down. Some people have swimming races. But most types of races involve running. You have the Boston Marathon, the London Marathon, the New York City Marathon. And I can't quite fathom yet what would cause someone to want to run for 26 miles but they do, and I honor them for their sacrifice. But when someone thinks of a race without fail, the biggest stage of the biggest race is no doubt the Olympics. In 1968, John Stephen traveled nearly 5,000 miles to represent Tanzania in the Olympics that were being held in Mexico City. However, during the race, things began to spiral downward very quickly as John fell to the ground, gashing his knee and also causing a dislocation. He would also smash his shoulder against the pavement. Most of those who watched that day assumed that that would be the end and he would pull out and go to the hospital. But instead, he received some quick medical attention, returned to the track to continue the race. His pace now, of course, was much lower. He was much slower, but his resolve to complete the race was intact. 18 of the 75 starters had pulled out of the race, but John did not wish to add to that number. And so, more than an hour after the winner, John crossed the line in last place, cheered on by a few thousand faithful spectators who remained in the stadium well after dark. By the time he reached the stadium, he was limping. The bandage around his leg was flapping in the breeze. And he was asked after the race, why did you continue to run in spite of your injuries? And his response still resonates with me tonight. And he said, my country did not send me 5,000 miles to start the race. He said, they sent me 5,000 miles to finish the race. You see, he knew that first was not an option, but finishing was. He possessed an understanding that I pray that every person in this room would possess tonight before you leave. That one first may not be the option. Finishing is still an option. In most cases and in most races, the point is to be first. But in this race that we all run, the goal is to finish. 
That is why Paul, in our opening text, when he's speaking of this race to the Corinthian church, he said, now they run so they may be the first person to get the medal. He said, but I am telling you the most important thing that even for me as the apostle Paul is your pastor, as the one who preaches to you and writes you the letters, as the one who gives you instruction on godly living, he said, my absolute greatest fear is that after I've done all of my ministerial duties is that somehow I do not finish the race. He said, so you must run so that you can finish. And that is why Paul, when he is nearing the end of his life, he penned the letter to his protege, Timothy, and he gives him this incredible life advice that I pray that all of us would soak up tonight. In 2 Timothy chapter number four and verse seven, Paul leaves Timothy with this. He said, Timothy, I want you to know that I have fought a good fight. I have finished my course. And I have kept the faith. And because of that, let me tell you what's in store. Henceforth, there is laid up for me a crown of righteousness, which the Lord, the righteous judge, will give me in that day. But he said, Timothy, it's not just for me, but it's for everyone that's willing and has the resolve to finish the race. He said, the reward is granted to the finishers. Paul is urging Timothy, by all means, finish. It's going to be hard at times. You're going to stumble at times. You will make mistakes at times, but you cannot stop. You must finish. Paul knew there were three words that every child of God must obtain. We must continue to fight. We must keep the faith, but most of all, we've got to finish. We have heard it since we were young. It's not how you start. It's how you finish. Because how you finish will always be superior to how you start. We don't start a book for the first chapter. We want to know what happens in the last chapter. You don't start a movie for the first part. You've got to know the ending. There is power in finishing. And Jesus, I would tell you, is not so much focused on your beginning because David would say that we were all born into sin and shaped in iniquity. That's why the new birth is so powerful because it can reverse the curse of the first birth. Jesus makes it clear. The scriptures make it clear that it's not about your beginning. It is about your ending. In heaven, we will rest, but on earth, we must race. We are continually marching toward our eternal destination. And I would tell you, I'm not going to lie to you tonight. Some days are going to be better than others. As Brother Mike Williams says, just because Jesus is in your boat doesn't mean storms won't be on your sea. There are going to be tough times. Some days are going to be mountaintops and some days are going to be valleys. Some days are going to be the wilderness. Some days are going to be the desert. And someday you'll be tiptoeing through the tulips and everything looks great. Some days it's easy to pray. Some days it's not so easy. Some days we succeed and some days we struggle. Some days we take two steps. Some days we take a hundred. But nevertheless, every day we must continue to march to our eternal destination. 
Hebrews chapter 10 tells us, now the just shall live by faith. And if any man draw back, God said my soul will have no pleasure in him. I would tell you God can tolerate failure, but God doesn't tolerate forfeiting. God understands when we struggle. God does not understand when we stop to draw back in the Hebrew or the Greek means hypostello. It literally means to withdraw. Direct opposite of we're called to be, which is apostello, which means to be sent. And the writer said in this race, God cannot tolerate and has no pleasure in someone who quits. I want to encourage someone. Failure is inevitable. Failure is not. You gotta keep going. Failure is not final. Stumbling will happen. Stopping should not. We quote it often, but I pray it would be more than just a verse that we cherry pick at times. When the righteous prophet said, rejoice. Not against me, oh my enemy, for when I fall, I shall arise. That's not just a verse. That's got to be a heartbeat. I know I'm going to fall, but I'm going to get back up. I know I'm going to stumble. It's not a question of if you fall. It's a question of when we fall because we're all going to fall. But the true testament to us is not that we fall, but it's that we get up again. That's why Solomon would say for a just man, he may fall seven times, but is going to rise up again. Repeatedly in scripture, we are exposed to the reality that God desires us not to stop and turn back. There is no reason for someone who has been redeemed to put their life in reverse and turn back to that which we've been delivered from. In Genesis chapter 19, where God was going to spare Lot and his family, he provided them a way of escape and he gave them one simple explanation. I want you to leave destruction. I want you to flee to the mountain. But there's only one thing you can't do. You can't look back. And the reason that you don't need to look back while you're escaping destruction on your way to salvation is because when someone looks back, it halts their progress. The kingdom of God has always been and will always be a forward-focused kingdom. And that's what's so beautiful about the kingdom. Even if you've got a bad past, we're never going back so you can just keep going because God's bringing you to a place that you've never been. And in Luke 17, when Jesus is teaching his disciples about the kingdom, it almost seems out of context. He just inserts these three words. Remember, Lot's wife is telling his disciples, don't ever turn around because she forfeited her future by focusing on her past. And that is why Paul said, we must run the race that is set before us. The best way to leave your past it's to press toward your future. It's almost like driving down the highway. You see something in the rearview mirror. And the beauty of it is 
the further you drive, the more you separate that which is behind you. And so the greatest way for a child of God to separate themselves from their past is just to keep moving, just to keep walking, just every day say, I'm marching towards what God's called me to be. I'm separating myself from what I used to be. The greatest way to escape your past is to focus on your future. On May the 6th, 1954, Roger Bannister became the first man in history to run a mile in less than four minutes. Now, I can barely drive a mile in less than four minutes. And this man ran on his own two feet an entire mile. I don't know what that is in kilometers, but it's a long way in under four minutes. And then just a few months later, on August the 7th, there was another man by the name of John Landy who eclipsed his mark by 1.4 seconds. So on August the 7th, just a few months later, these two men met for an historic race. Mr. Landy and Mr. Bannister, the only two people in history at that time to run a mile in under four minutes because even men back then dealt with egos. I need some wives to kind of nudge your husband like, we all know every man wants to be the fastest. Amen? Or is that just Americans? I don't know. But they met for the race. They said, we're going to find out once and for all who's the fastest. And as they raced, John Landy was in the lead. And he said, it looked as if I was going to win. But he said, as I neared the finish line, the thought haunted me. Where is Roger Bannister? He said, as I turned to look over my left shoulder, he passed me on my right side and won the race. And he told reporters, if I hadn't looked back, I would have won the race. That is when the enemy is constantly nagging on redeemed people to turn around. But you've got to get him out of your ear and say, I'm not focusing on where I used to be. I'm focusing on where I'm going. And I don't know about you, but I like to think about streets of gold and walls of jasper and no more sorrow and no more tears and no more pain. I want to know, is there anybody here that still gets excited about heaven? That's why Paul said in Philippians 3, he said, listen, verse 12, look, I'm not telling you that I've already attained or that I'm perfect, but this is what I do. I follow after Jesus that I may apprehend or that I may get a hold of what's gotten a hold of me. He said, listen, I don't count myself to have it all together, but I'm going to let you in on my secret. I forget that which is behind me and I reach forth to that which is before me. He said, the reason that I make it is I press toward the mark. I forget about my mistakes. I forget about yesterday. And I just focus on where Jesus is calling me. And that is upward. And that is forward. 
Paul, a man in scripture that endured perhaps what no other New Testament preacher did. Many believe he wrote this letter 25 years after his conversion. But he said, I still possess one simple revelation. I have not reached my goal. Therefore, I cannot stop. He told the Corinthian church, he said, I'll just tell you. I'll just tell you everything I've been through. He said, five times I received 39 stripes. There were three times I was beaten with rods. There was one time I was stoned. Three times I suffered shipwreck. There was a night and a day I was in the deep. He said, I've been in all these journeys and perils and weakness and waters. He said, I've been in weariness and painfulness and watchings often and hunger and thirst and fastings and naked. Sound like someone that may would consider quitting. But then he told the church in Acts chapter 20, but none of these things, what things, anything. He said, none of these things move me. Neither count I my life dear unto myself. Why? So that I might finish my course. Paul said, they could unleash any attack, but I can't quit because I've got to finish. Because the point of this race is to finish. God wants you to finish what he has started in your life. It doesn't matter how many times you strayed away. If you still got a pulse, you still got a purpose, and if you still got breath in your body, there's mercy available for you to get back on the right track. God's number one desire is that every person in this room would finish the race. That's why Jesus himself declared in Matthew chapter 24, he that endure to the end, the same shall be saved. Can I tell you what heaven's going to be populated with? It's not a bunch of perfect people, but it's a bunch of persistent people that said it didn't matter what I went through. I kept going. I kept going. I kept believing. I kept being faithful. When I got a bad report, I stayed faithful. When I got a good report, I stayed faithful. That's why we all strive to hear those seven words that are soaked in eternal importance. Well done. Well done, thou good and faithful servant. You know what Jesus is going to say? You finished. You made it. You completed it. This is what it's all about. This is why we did everything we did. That's why we come to church twice on Sunday, once on Wednesday. That's why we'll be at prayer meeting on Friday night. It's because I just got to make sure that I keep going. That's why we have youth explosion, young people, because the moments are meant to create momentum. We provide opportunities for you to meet with God so you can get enough encouragement to say, you know what? I'm going to make it through my senior year. I'm not going to backslide. I'm going to go to college. I'm not going to backslide. Why? Because I had a moment, and it gave me momentum to keep going. And that's why Paul said, Hebrews chapter 12, we're foreseeing. We're also compassed about with so great a cloud of witnesses. Those that have gone on before us, let us lay aside every weight and the sin that does so easily beset us and let us run with patience 
the race that is set before us. Can I tell you, if we could somehow peer into eternity and hear the voice of someone that's already finished their race, I feel like they would tell us it's going to be worth it. It's going to be worth the agony. It's going to be worth the pain. It's going to be worth the attacks. I've just got to encourage someone that maybe you've been kind of weighing it in the balance. Is all this really worth it? Yes! And the only way to do that is verse number two. Looking unto Jesus. Some days that's our only hope is to somehow move our eyes from down here and we look to him who the Bible said was our example. He endured the cross. Can I tell you that Jesus Christ, God manifested in the flesh, even he would not forfeit his, forfeit his race too early. The Bible says his race went to the cross. His race went to Calvary. He endured the cross because on the other side of the cross was redemption of the world. On the other side of the pain was the power. Jesus could endure the present because his focus was on the future. Jesus is the author and the finisher of our faith. He doesn't start anything without the intent to finish it. Jesus has no intention of incompletion. His desire for us is that we would finish the way he did. When Jesus came to the world, he came for one purpose, and that was redemption. The world was in an endless cycle of sin. So Jesus came to the world through an immaculate birth, and for 33 years, he ran his race. He endured loneliness. He endured rejection. Isaiah said he was despised and rejected. He was a man of sorrow acquainted with grief. Can I tell you that he was just like us? Some days they marveled at his miracles, but other days they mocked his messages. Some days they rejoiced, but other days they rejected him. He experienced the wonders, but also the wilderness. But even as a young child, he possessed an understanding that I must be about my father's business. He said, I have a task at hand. I have a course to stay on. I have a race to complete. So in spite of everything the Pharisees and those throw at me, I've got to keep going. And then one day his race led him to Calvary and they suspended him upon two wooden beams between heaven and earth. And some tried to even tempt him to get him to quit. And he told them, I could call right now for the angels and they would loose me from this cross, but that's not what I came to do. I came to finish the plan that is on my life so I'm not gonna say a word. The Bible says he was like a lamb led to the slaughter. He opened not his mouth until John chapter 19, verse number 30. After the blood dripped from his brows, the mixture of blood and water flowed from his side. After they shoved vinegar in his mouth, the crown of thorns on his head, he sat there and took it all. And in a moment, he could have stopped that process. In a moment, he could have killed everybody there, but he allowed them to torture him. He allowed them to make a mockery of him until John chapter 19, verse 30, when it says, Jesus therefore received the vinegar. And then he finally opened up his mouth. And he said, it is finished. And then the Bible says that he gave up the ghost. They couldn't even take his life. He had to give it. But he said, before I do that, I've got to make sure I'm finished. 
the entire reason for Jesus finishing his race is to give us the power to finish our race. Jesus has instructed us to follow him both in the path and in the principle. We follow him as an example, but we also follow him as our leader. But I love what David said. He said, surely goodness and mercy will follow me all the days of my life. We are empowered to follow Jesus because of what's following us. It's a good thing to know that you're sandwiched between Jesus and mercy, and that's what keeps you going. Mercy is that nudge. When you want to stop following him. That's mercy and goodness behind you, pushing you, saying, You're not done. You gotta keep going. Can I tell someone you've come too far to stop now? You made it through too much to stop now. You've overcome too many battles to give the enemy the pleasure of you waving the right flag. The point of the race is to finish. On September the 27th, 2019, runners from all over the world gathered at the 2019 IAFL World Championship in Qatar. One of the most anticipated events of the day, the 5,000 meter race, there were two men that made history that day, not by breaking records, but by what transpired. You see, in the first heat of that race, there were just two athletes left on the track. Jonathan Busby from Aruba was one of the ones still on the track when he was hit with severe fatigue and could barely stand, certainly not able to finish running. Aruba's Jonathan Busby was suffering all too visibly when luckily Brahma Dabo of Guinea was on hand to help. As Dabo rounded the curve and saw Aruba, Jonathan Busby struggling, he stopped to help him. He saw that Busby's legs were staggering because they were jelly. And in the pictures I provided, you can see them holding on to each other as they crossed the finish line. After the race, the reporters asked Dabo, why would you throw away your chance of winning to help someone else finish the race? Dabo said, I would rather help him instead of passing him. He said, I saw him and I could tell that he wasn't going to finish. And my thoughts were, I needed to help him because after all, that's the point of the race. He said the point of the race is to finish. And I can't stand the sight, he said, of seeing somebody stumble and it looks like they're not going to make it to the finish line. And that's what I've come to do tonight in the spirit that somehow through the word I could come up alongside of somebody and just give you a breath of encouragement. Keep going, keep going. You can make it. It's gonna be worth it. You gotta finish. I want everyone to stand. Musicians to come. Just want to kind of do what I feel. This is okay, Pastor Matt. Just for a moment, allow me to speak to the students. 
You heard me say a while ago, guys, ladies, the point of moments is to create momentum. And the reason you're here this weekend is that somehow something could be deposited into your spirit that will give you the strength to keep going. It would be tragic if I came back in five years and I said, where's Sam? Where's Ben? Where's Isaiah? Where's Kent? Where's Daniel? Where's Justin? Where are those guys at? Oh, they're not here. The point of the race is to finish. I want every student to hear me. All the peer pressure that you're going to have to endure is going to be worth it. You can't backslide. You can't quit. Because the goal of everything we do is that somehow we can make it to heaven. And I felt such a burden in my spirit to encourage somebody. Keep going. Don't stop now. If you got to crawl to the finish line, you got to keep going. If you got to run alone, you got to keep going. Because the point is not great youth events and great services, it's to make it to heaven. To spend eternity with Jesus Christ. So, this may not be the typical send off message. But the most important thing is that you can get it in your spirit, everyone in this room, that whatever it takes, I've got to finish. Paul said, I don't want to be a castaway. He told Timothy, Demas had forsaken us, having love this present world. Hear me, guys. There's nothing worth trading your journey to eternity for whatever you got to do do it whatever you got to sever sever that relationship sever that friendship but you've got to finish I want everyone in the room to close your eyes and lift your hands I pray that somehow the Lord would dispatch angels in this room that go alongside of every person and you could hear the still small voice of Jesus saying keep going keep going don't stop we gotta make it oh it would be tragic to go through a youth explosion like we've had this weekend only to throw it all away next week or next month or next year the point of the race is to finish so by all means finish whatever it takes I gotta make it I don't wanna be lost I don't wanna be lost I want to make it. I want to make it. I want to make it. The point 
all of this is to finish. This is what we're going to do. We're going to take a step. It's a step of faith to say, you know what? I've got to keep going. I can't stop. My family's too important. My children are too important. My marriage is too important. My future's too important. That if I forfeit it now, somebody else may be lost because I decided to quit so I've just got to keep going because I may come along somebody and say listen I know you're weak I'll help you I'll inconvenience myself if that's what it takes because the point of the race is to finish we gotta finish we gotta finish so if you could step out of your seats we're going to step to the front. I know you've been allowing the young people to come first, and thank you for being gracious. But if you would like to file them behind them, we would love for you to come and pray with us. Come on, a youth explosion. Number 30, I still want you to be here serving God, serving the Lord, a part of His church. Come on, you must know that the scripture says, He who has begun a good work in you is able to complete it. God doesn't want you to quit. God doesn't want you to quit. It's okay if you fall, it's not okay if you forfeit. Whatever it takes, you've got to finish. Eternity is too important to drink casually. I want every student, every person in this room to lift your hands. I pray tonight that the mantle of the elders would rest upon the student. Because elders, you know what you represent? The ability to keep going through the 60s, through the 70s, through the 80s, through the 90s, through the 2000s, through the 2010. You're just like a solid rock that says I won't be moved. Show us how to go through the valley. Show us how to endure the wilderness, but show us how to keep going. I want every elder stretch your hands this way. Come on. Young people, I want you to receive it right now. They know what it's like to go through the hills, to go through the valleys, to go through the mountain, but yet they're unmoved. They're still here. this moment create momentum to keep going
prophecy of eternity tonight. Roboya tarabayata, roboya dalaboya, ida bayaya dalaboya dalaba, ida boyo yo do. I want to stay here, God. I want to stay in the church. I don't want to backslide. I don't want to be a casualty. Come on, heaven is real and hell is real. Make up your mind tonight, whatever it takes to get to heaven. That's what I'll do.